0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Olmo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, we're continuing our encounter series today. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at just people that had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, as He walked the streets uh, and spoke to people and encountered people, Uh, We're looking at what some of those encounters were and those stories as the Gospel writers tell them. But as we do that, the question is, what's it look like for us to continue to have an encounter with Jesus? Because He's the living God that wants to meet us where we're at. And so as we look at another story today, this isn't just someone else's story. This is an invitation for us to step in to a place where God wants to do something new in us. So why don't we pray and then we're gonna open the Word together. Hey God, I wanna thank You for all that You've done, for all that You're doing and for all that You're gonna do. Thank you that you have spoken, that uh, you've breathed life into us. And Lord, as we open your Word again today, I wanna pray that those words would come alive if it's for the first time today for us, for the very first time. But if we look at something today that we've read a hundred times, I wanna pray that you would breathe new life into it for us this morning. Thank you for the gift of your Scriptures, for your Word that's been spoken, has been recorded, that we can uh, use and be encouraged by, grow by, and live by. Thank you that your words are life. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna read a long scripture today, but it's a story that I think we lose the power of it if we only read it in part. So if you've got a Bible and you wanna follow along with me, John chapter nine is our text for this morning. It's gonna pop up on the screen. You can follow along. The heading in my Bible says, Jesus heals a man born blind. And some of you may have heard this story, but let's jump straight into it. As Jesus went along, He saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked Him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. For as long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said this, He spit on the ground, made some mud and put the saliva, uh, with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked? And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. The Pharisees investigate the healing. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and I now see. Not a complex testimony, is it? Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man replied, He's a prophet. Yet they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he now can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God and tell the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. In other words, Jesus is a sinner. That's what they say. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know one thing. I do know, I was blind but now I see. Then they asked him, How did he do it to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already, and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, Now that he's remarkable, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly people who do His will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when He found him, He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is He, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in Him. And Jesus said, I love this, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one who's speaking to you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. There is a lot in that passage. It starts off with one man born blind and by the end of it, we see that there's a whole bunch of blinded people in this passage. And I wanna talk this morning about the things that blind us. I don't know everybody here and some of us might have issues physically with eyesight. I don't know anyone here that was born blind. Maybe I haven't met you yet, but it's a rare thing that you know we are born blind, but there are people in our society that carry that, physical story. But Jesus addresses something much more deeper. It's those that are blinded to things that they have no concept of. Now I reckon in life, sometimes we we find ourselves in a place where God is doing something incredible, but we miss it because of things going on in our own life or our own circumstances. I I passed this story past my child before I share it, before all of you get worried that I'm just telling stories about my kids and they don't know about it. But in 2015, uh, our family went on a road trip and we did one of the the iconic drives in Australia, the Great Ocean Road. Anyone here, just a show of hands, driven the Great Ocean Road. Man, it is a beautiful drive. If you ever get the opportunity to uh, go and drive the Great Ocean Road, it it is, all that they say about it is just a beautiful drive. This is the most well-known iconic landmark on the Great Ocean Road, the 12 apostles. But there's more than I ever expected on that road to stop and look out and see. It is just beautiful, pristine coastline and lots of different areas to explore and to see. But we finally got there. You you gotta get those picture-perfect moments, don't you? It's like if you do the Great Ocean Road, I've got a whole bunch of photos I could show you on the road, but we got to this famous landmark known as the Twelve Apostles. And it is as glorious and as wonderful as you could imagine. There's hundreds of people there as well because everyone wants a photo at the Twelve Apostles. But it's just... Uh, incredible, standing, looking out over the Southern Ocean, seeing these pillars of rock that just rise out of the ocean and just being overwhelmed by that moment. We got some great photos. This is one of the photos that we took and then we had a whole bunch of photos where all of our kids were like, I wanna get a photo, I wanna get a photo until one of my sons decided that this was the day that something was just gonna fall apart. I can't even remember, it's four years on. He was nine years old at the time. But something fell apart. I'm sure it was with one of his brothers. But something went really, really wrong. And then we lined up all the other kids and we took photos of them. And we were like, come and get a photo in front of the 12 apostles. Yeah, and they were like smiling and happy. Then we said to Harrison, Harrison, it's your turn. And he just had no way of actually letting go of the mood that he was carrying. So this is what the result was. We tried again on the other side of the... Uh, And then something incredible happened before you bring up the next photo, Isaac. I missed this, I was quite disappointed, but and who was trying to get Harrison to smile for a photo and Harrison wouldn't smile. As I said, he knows I'm telling you this story. It could have been any of our kids because they've all had their moments, but this day we just happened to capture the moment on camera in front of one of the most iconic landmarks in Australia. Chrissy's out there trying to get him to kind of warm up and get a photo, it just didn't happen anyway. They start walking back and a, a tiger snake comes out and crosses the path. Chris, he's like, this is he's, Harrison's our nature kid, right? This is gonna surely lift his spirits. He's the only one that's here now to see the snake. So let's get a photo of Harrison in front of the snake. Didn't get any better. <laughs> when you see him, give him a hug today. you really love that. You know what, sometimes... We find ourselves in a place where God is doing something incredible around us and we miss it because of what's happening for us. And you know what, we, we look back on that we, we laugh every time we see those photos. He laughs every time we see the photos. I said, mate, do you mind if I use that story in church tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Because it's become a little bit of a, you know, a, a funny moment in our family. We've, we can't put up this photo on the wall because everyone else is smiling except for him. And I don't know what was going on that day, but there was some circumstance in his life that meant he missed the moment. And we all carry circumstances that mean sometimes we miss the thing that God is doing right in front of us. And in this story in John chapter 9, there's a whole bunch of people that miss the moment of God at work. It's a story of a man that is physically blind, but it's actually a story of a whole bunch of people that are blinded by a whole bunch of other issues. And I just want to talk about some of the things that blind us today. Let me start from the very beginning. Let me start with people that have you know, been walking the streets with Jesus, observing Jesus at work. They're for Jesus, they're Jesus mates, His disciples, the Bible calls them. And they walk past this guy and some of them I imagine probably had known him because from birth he'd been blind and he was a beggar outside the synagogue and I'm sure some of them have passed Him before or observed Him before or noticed Him before, but on this particular day, as they're walking the streets, they pass Him and they observe Him and they ask Jesus what they think is a really appropriate and normal question. They say, Jesus, who was it that sinned that He was born blind? Was it Him or was His parents? There's no embarrassment in the question for them. They think it's a right, normal and appropriate question. Why? Because they lived in a society that had built a theology that said, if you had a physical disability, especially one from birth, there was sin in your story and this is the outcome of your sin. Imagine growing up with a disability in this culture. You see, what, what happened was people walked past this blind man, not filled with compassion, but filled with, well, he's getting his just desserts for something that he or his parents Have done, But the disciples are obviously thrown by this because he's been blind since birth. So they're trying to work out how he possibly could have sinned and therefore be owning the disability himself. So they say to Jesus, wasn't he that sinned or was it his parents that sinned? See, they don't even think there's anything in that question because they just assume, because they've been told, they've been taught, it's been reiterated through the stories that people have told, that this is what happens in life. Yet Jesus challenges their theology. You see, we can be blinded by theology. Let me tell you what theology is for a moment. It's a word that we use a lot in church, but but theology is essentially the study or the understanding of the nature of God. And I wanna say there's some of us that have a really poor view of ourselves and of God because people have taught us bad theology. You know, when the Bible talks about teachers and leaders, actually, it's really important you get your stuff right. Why? Because if we misrepresent the nature of God to people, it can be a narrative that forms over their life that changes not just the way they see themselves, but the way they engage with God. And this man had lived his entire life under judgment because of bad theology. Because people had been saying, no, 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 don't feel sorry for him. This is him getting his just desserts. I don't know whether it's something that's been spoken over you or something you've learnt growing up or something that your parents told you or something that you know a really well-meaning uh, you know, Sunday school teacher told you when you were young, but some of us are living a narrative that is formed by some really bad understanding of the nature of God. Some of us feel a distance from God because we feel like the life that we live or, or the story that we have or, or the challenge that we carry is something that God would want nothing to do with us. Because someone told us that God hates that and therefore God hates you. Jesus in this moment dispels the bad theology. So Jesus, who is it that sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? The disciples think nothing of it as they move past and Jesus stops them and says, neither neither he doesn't explain it but he just says neither neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus this has happened so the work of God might be displayed in him you what? Know, when we're blinded by bad theology it can be a blockage to God but Jesus changes that and, and, and addresses the disciples and says <laughs> no, 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 you're not seeing this clearly this has got nothing to do with him or his behaviour or what his parents have done. He is suffering something and Jesus doesn't give us explanation, but many of us carry things that we can't find an explanation for and, and maybe some of us in the pain of our own life have questioned whether God's punishing us for things that we've done. And, and Jesus, I think, just wants to stand here and say, you know what, we live in a broken world and sometimes things don't make sense and things don't line up. But God is actually God in the business of restoration and healing. And He's gonna do something good in you and in your brokenness. And some of our brokenness is caused by sin. There's a reality that some of us, sin does, bear consequences. But we all know that the consequences of sin don't seem just. Some people do things every week and get away with it and some people do things once and it all falls apart for them. You know, like sin doesn't seem to carry justice in its consequences, but sin does carry consequences. And, and some of us have started to believe that because of the things going on in our life, God doesn't want anything to do with us. Well, Jesus in this moment wants to reset your understanding of who he is, to so reset your theology, because some of us are blinded by theology. The second group of people in this story that are blind are are people that I would say are blinded by ignorance. Now we throw out ignorance as a a negative thing, you know, you're an ignorant person. But but ignorance in this sense is just people that have no idea because they've never seen or heard. And so the man goes, has an encounter with Jesus, goes and washes in the pool of Siloam and there's something significant in that because for him to re-engage in the community, ceremonial washing was a really important part of it. And so Jesus says, go and have a wash and then come back. So he goes and washes and guess what? He comes back and for the first time in his life, He's seeing. John is underwhelming in how he tells this moment, right? He just goes, yeah, so he went off, had a wash, and he came back seeing. Imagine what it looked like for a man that had never seen to wash his eyes and see for the first time. I get over, who, who gets kind of stuck following down you know, videos and YouTube and stuff occasionally and you're seeing people put on those glasses that bring colour to life for the very first time and they start weeping and everyone starts hugging and, and I start weeping as I'm watching it because there's something overwhelming with seeing the joy in someone when they get to see life in full colour for the very first time. This is a man that had never been able to engage the sense of sight and in this moment, his eyes are open and he sees everything. The sounds have a meaning, the sounds have a home. Everything that he touches and feels suddenly takes on new meaning. John just goes, he went to the pool he washed and he came home seeing. Man, this was a bigger moment than you thought to the point where when he comes home seeing people that knew him, the Bible says his neighbours, his neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? If you wanna know what the power of transformation looks like, the power of transformation is when God does something so significant in your life that those that are close to you don't even recognise the person that you've become. Some of you here have that story. Some of you here say, people that know me now cannot believe that I'm the person that I am because they used to know me back there. That's what transformation does. But the transformation for this guy is is in, in an instant. And people that know Him because they've seen Him and they've lived near Him their whole life, don't even recognise Him because they go, is this the guy that was blind? Because this time when he walks back in the community, he's not going slow. He's not having someone lead him. He's not stumbling over objects that were in his path. He walked back in confidently and knew something has changed in his life. You see, this is what happens when Jesus gets a hold of us. Something incredible changes. And his neighbours are just ignorant to the thing that's changed. To the point where some say, no, 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 that's not him. Just someone that looks like him. And others go, no, I think it's him. And he's standing in the circle going, no, it's me, it's me. They're like, no, I think you just look like the person that we think we're talking about. There was a guy that used to sit there that looked like you, who was blind. And then others are going, no, I think you're that guy. And he's going, why don't you just ask me? I was the guy that was sitting there. You won't find him anymore because I am him. And so the Scripture said, his neighbours and those who had formerly seen him, isn't this the same man? Some claimed he was, others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted the transformation is so profound that he has to insist to people that he is who he is. I had a moment in Canada years ago where I think I, my, my face was changing and my beard was growing and my hair was falling out and so my licence photo didn't look like the person standing before <laughs> the guy that had just taken my travelers' cheques and he goes, that's not you. And I said, that is me. He goes, no, that's not you. I'm not, che- I'm not cashing your cheque. No, that is me. You are cashing my cheque. And I had an argument with someone about my identity having to prove that I was the person that he was looking at. Like, it's crazy. This is what's happening here. And the Pharisees said, uh, sorry. And so they said, well, if you're the guy, what happened? And the man replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked. You know, sometimes we encourage people to go and write their stories. At the start of this year, we encourage people to go and write their stories. And we get all tied up about how we make it sound wonderful and how we make it, you know, deep. Listen to this guy's story expressed in one sentence The man they call Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to Siloam and wash, and now I see. Yeah, you know, God is at work. God is at work in many of your lives. I would say God is at work in all of your lives. Some of us just haven't seen it yet. Let me just challenge those of us here this morning that are people of faith, that have put our faith in Jesus. There's some people in your world, some people that you live, work and laugh with that are just waiting for you to give testimony to the change that they're observing in your life. Because they're seeing something different and they just need you to put some words for it. They're they're actually seeing you become less angry. They're actually seeing you become more generous. They're actually seeing you become more patient. They're actually seeing you jump on a plane, as some of our congregation have done this week, and fly and spend your hard-earned money to serve the poor. And there's something in them that's probably going, what's going on for them? Because there's something attractive about what I observe and all they need is for you to put some words to it. And they don't need to be complex words. He just says, I had an encounter with Jesus. He spat on the ground, rubbed the mud in my eyes. I washed my eyes and now I can see. And you know what? That was enough for the people to say, where can we find Him? Here's my challenge for some of us this morning. There's some people desperate to know Jesus and they just need someone to show them. As you do the drive to Mount Tambourine from here, out through the back, Mount Tambourine, as you drive up the mountain, there's a rock that's painted like a piano. Hands up if you've seen the piano rock. A whole bunch of us. Hands up if you've driven that road. This is, I know this is gonna be the scary one. Hands up if you've driven that road and never seen the piano rock. Just, you're going, what on earth is he talking about? And yeah, no one wants to admit it. Here we go, there's a few hands. Good, okay. You drive to Mount Tambourine next time. There is a rock that looks like a piano. It's about it's a huge rock, and someone's painted it with keys and music and everything. The piano rock. I've driven that road with my kids numerous times and they've never seen it. And guess what? I've pointed it out and now they can't miss it. Sometimes it's as simple as that. The work of God is so obvious. People just need us to point them towards it. They've given some, some of you going for it. Sunday afternoon, drive up Mount Tambourine now going, there is no rock painted like a piano. Go and have a look, I promise you. We can be blinded by ignorance. We can be blinded, number three, by religion and tradition. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. I think this is the saddest part of the story, to be honest. Now, the day in which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. What's significant about that? You see, the Sabbath was the day of rest. God wove it into creation. He spoke it as a commandment through Moses. And then the Pharisees and all the teachers of the law went and applied the law to that. In other words, they said, oh, it's meant to be a day of rest. God told us to do no work. And people said, well, what does it mean to do no work? Am I allowed to brush my teeth? And so, you know, they started asking all the questions around what it meant to have a day off work. And so the Pharisees created all these laws around what it meant to be on the Sabbath. And one of the laws that they created was you can't make clay or mud on the Sabbath. So they start looking at Jesus going, well, technically, he created some clay, so he worked on the Sabbath day, which is a breaking of the rules of God. So the Pharisees asked the man how he'd received his sight. He goes to testimony again, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. And others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And I wish there weren't stories in the church like this today. But how sad is it when God heals a man born blind and the only thing the religious leaders can talk about is whether God did it the right way. If we ever get to that point, we need someone to just, Give us, not a literal, but just a theological slapping around, right? Because there is a man born blind. He could not see, now he sees and he's standing before the religious leaders and you know what they should be doing? Going, what do you think of the trees? You've smelt this food before, but this is what bread looks like. They should have been throwing a party in the synagogue, but guess what they're doing? They're going through the law going, well, technically, mud should not be made on the Sabbath and Jesus made mud and so we're not sure that the thing that was done here was done well and we can't determine whether it was of God or not. <laughs> you like my Pharisee voice? <laughs> it's easy to beat up the Pharisees. I reckon all of us have the capacity and they're hard to be Pharisees at times. I think this is one of the saddest things in this story to see God at work so powerfully but to be so blinded by our own religious framework or practice that the minute God does something outside of our framework we find any way to determine that it can't be of God. If you were here last Sunday, Ben talked about the most powerful God encounter he had was at a conference when he just started weeping and then started laughing uncontrollably. You know, that sits outside the framework of my comfort at times, but how can you deny what God has done in that man's life? You know, there's times when I see people get healed and, and the cynical self starts to rise up and go, mm, I'm not really sure about that. We had testimony not long ago from Dave who was sitting in church with that same spirit and then God touched him. And suddenly you just have to go, this is outside my framework, but I can't deny that God is at work here. Mm. I'm not suggesting that we don't kind of be careful. We do be careful. God always works within the nature of who God is. But sometimes God's gonna break out of the framework of how we expect Him to operate and do things a little bit differently. Don't lose the joy of what God is doing in people's lives because we get so blinded by our own religious tradition. The, third, the fourth group. One more and then we get to the guy himself. There was a group of people in this story that were blinded by fear. The second saddest part of the story says the Pharisees didn't believe that the guy was born blind. In other words, they didn't believe that the guy that was standing there going, I can see, was not just some fake making up a story. So they said, the only way we're gonna believe that you were blind and now you can see is we're gonna go get your parents. And if they tell us that you were blind and now you can see, then we might believe your story. And so they go get the guy's parents and they bring them in and they say, tell us, is this your son? And they say, we know he's our son. We can verify his identity. And we know he was born blind. We can verify his story. But how he can see or how his eyes were opened, we don't know. That's a fair comment. But then they say this, ask him. He's of age and will speak for himself. And the Bible tells us why they said that. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. You might sit here and think, well, big deal. You get kicked out of the synagogue. Those guys that can't even celebrate a guy that's now able to see after he was born blind, who'd wanna hang out with them anyway? But the synagogue was like the centre of community life. To be kicked out of the synagogue meant you got kicked out of community, you got kicked kicked out of the place where you're connected and and where the community life found its energy. And so they had this great fear because if they acknowledged that Jesus had done a miracle in their son's life, they might get booted out of their centre. So instead of going, you know what? He's our son, he was born blind and now he can see. We don't care what you have to say, praise God. They take the soft approach, the, the approach that, is driven by fear, and some of us can be blinded by our own fear. So they say, well, just ask him, he'll, he'll tell you. The parents have seen the miracle, but fear prevents them from fully celebrating the miracle in their own family's life. So the question I, I ask this encounter series, is where do we find ourselves in this story? Because I guarantee if we're blinded to something, we can't see it. That sounds crazy to say, but, but if we're blinded by something, we probably don't even see it. And so the courageous question to ask today is, God, is there something in this that I need to hear? Is there an understanding of your nature that I'm carrying that I just don't see that it's unhealthy for me? Is there a religious practice that I, that I hold to so tightly that I'm actually ostracising those around me and I'm pushing away the stories of your goodness? God, am I blinded by my own fear? God, am I, am I blinded by my own ignorance? I encourage you to pray a courageous prayer this morning, which is the prayer of God, help me see the things that you need me to see. Because finally we get to the man, the blind man, And a second time they summoned him, the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, the Pharisees said. In other words, we're gonna manipulate you into telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner talking about Jesus. And then the man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. The most amazing part of this story is what Jesus spoke to the man in this first instance. I don't want you to lose this moment. You see, Jesus first encountered this guy. What, what, what word does God, does Jesus speak over him? He's blind. He would be fully alert to the senses of what was going on around him. And he'd hear the murmuring of a group walking near him. And Jesus walks with his disciples and they're murmuring and he may not know it, you probably can't hear them because they're probably sensitive enough not to say, why is he blind? Did he see him or his parents? They're probably like, Jesus, this guy here, was it him or is this his parents? And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Watch what I do. And this blind man, close your eyes for just a minute if you feel comfortable. I just, I just want you to try and put yourself in this moment. This blind man sitting there and Bob doesn't tell us exactly how this goes down, but I imagine Jesus walks over to him and maybe he just feels a hand on his shoulder and he waits for Jesus to speak and he hears the voice of God for the first time. You know what it sounds like? And then he feels warm mud rubbed into his eyes. (laughs) I'm not making this up. (laughs) And then he's led to the pool of Siloam and he wipes the mud out of his eyes and the world comes alive. Sometimes the thing that God wants to do in you won't make sense. But if we let ourselves keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, He's gonna lead you some places that you never expect. He's gonna say some things that you could never imagine. Some days He just might spit in the ground and rub some mud in your eyes. But, But if we don't let Jesus be who he is and just do things the way that he does it. We're gonna miss out on the fullness of who God is. Now, I don't know why Jesus needed to spit in the mud and wipe it in the guy's eyes. The, the Scriptures tell us elsewhere, he touched people. He spoke a word over people. Someone grabbed his cloak and they were healed. But, but for whatever reason, this guy gets the mud made from the spit of the Son of God rubbed in his eyes and he can see. That completely breaks any framework that you or I might have. But because he allowed Jesus to do what Jesus needed to do, his life was completely transformed in the most unconventional way. It didn't fit anyone's theological framework. It didn't fit anyone's religious or traditional framework. It certainly didn't fit any medical framework. It was unlike anything anyone had ever seen or heard Before, but the fruit was in the testimony of a man that stood and said, I don't know who he is. All I know is I was blind and I now see. What helps us to see beyond our own blindness? It's learning just to fixate our gaze on Jesus, to soak ourselves in His Word, to hang out with His people, to lift even our fumbling words to Him in prayer to start to understand who He is and and stop creating our own fabrications of who we think He is, but allow Him to lead us and guide us and speak for Himself and reveal Himself to us, even in the most unconventional of ways. And as we do that, Jesus might just surprise us and transform our lives. You know, Ultimately, the story that John writes is written not because it's a story just of a blind man receiving healing. John writes it in his Gospel to show that this is what God wants to do for all people. He wants to heal their blindness, to help them see Him clearly, so that they may be transformed. Let me read those last few verses again for us today, and then I'm gonna close. Let me read it, it, not from the NIV that I read earlier, but from the message paraphrase. It says this, Jesus heard that they'd thrown Him out. Isn't it amazing? Someone has their life transformed by God and they get thrown out of the community. Jesus heard that they'd thrown Him out and went and found Him. So He hasn't seen Jesus to this point, has He? Because He didn't receive His sight when Jesus rubbed the mud in, He received His sight when He washed in the pool. So Jesus found Him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, point Him out to Me, Sir. He's like, this voice is familiar, but, but point Him out to Me, Sir. He probably said, can you just make a spitting noise so I can determine? <laughs> point Him out to Me so I can believe in Him. And Jesus said, you're looking right at Him. Don't you recognise my voice? Master, I believe the man said, and he worshipped him. And then Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who've made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Will you look at God afresh and allow Him to remove the things in your heart and in your mind that are blinding you from experiencing Him in all His fullness. Why don't we stand together this morning, Church? Jesus, I love that you did things in such an unconventional way. You broke out of all the moulds that people had created or expected you to sit in. You didn't, you didn't uh, do things the way that you were meant to do them according to the way humans had perceived what God would be like, but you broke in and you showed what you're like. You helped blind people see and that's what You wanna do for us, Jesus. You wanna remove all the things that cloud our vision of who You are, that cloud our vision of Your goodness, that cloud our vision of Your grace, that cloud our vision of what it means to live freely before You, uninhibited by the rules and expectations of others. You wanna uncloud our eyes so that we can see clearly what it means to live righteous lives, free from the clutches of sin. God, I wanna pray that wherever we're at this morning, whatever it is that clouds our vision of seeing You truly. Surely that you might remove it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that your business is the business of helping blind people see. I wanna pray that many of us will have a testimony that says, we don't know what happened. All that we can say is, I was blind, but now I see. We ask you in this moment, Jesus, just to begin to do your best work. We pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.